Welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, the podcast that brings you through the entire Bible in 260 days. Have you ever wanted to read the whole Bible but struggled to do so? This podcast is meant to help you do it. With five 15 to 20 minute episodes per week, you will hear the entire Bible read to you. There will also be occasional brief notes to help explain context, as well as a concluding question or thought to consider. So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 93. Today's episode includes passages from 1 Samuel and the book of Acts and a number of different stories which carry a similar theme in that a number of different characters face really loss, trial, difficulties, death itself. And our passages show a number of different reactions to that loss, to the difficulties that is rather instructive and inspiring. So let's check them out and see what we have to see as we read through our passages today. And we begin today with 1 Samuel chapter 30. And today we'll be concluding this book of 1 Samuel with chapters 30 and 31. So 1 Samuel chapter 30. On the third day, David and his men came to Ziklag. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They attacked Ziklag and burned it. They took captive the women and all who were in it, from the youngest to the oldest, but they did not kill anyone. They simply carried them off and went on their way. When David and his men came to the city, they found it burned. Their wives, sons, and daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the men who were with him wept loudly until they could weep no more. David's two wives had been taken captive, Ahinoam the Jezreelite and Abigail the Carmelite, Nabal's widow. David was very upset, for the men who were thinking of stoning him, each man grieved bitterly over his sons and daughters. But David drew strength from the Lord his God. Then David said to the priest Abiathar, son of Abimelech, Ahimelech, Bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought the ephod to David. David inquired of the Lord, saying, Should I pursue the raiding band? Will I overtake them? He said to him, Pursue, for you will certainly overtake them and carry out a rescue. So David went, accompanied by his six hundred men. When they came to the Wadi Bezor, those who were in the rear stayed there. David and four hundred men continued to pursue, but two hundred men who were too exhausted to cross the valley of the, the, the Wadi of Bezor stayed there. Then they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David. They gave him bread to eat and water to drink. They gave him a slice of pressed figs and two bunches of raisins to eat. This greatly refreshed him, for he had not eaten food or drunk water for three days and nights. David said to him, To whom do you belong and where are you from? The young man said, I am an Egyptian, the servant of an Amalekite man. My master abandoned me when I was ill for three days. We conducted a raid in the Negev on the Carathites on the area of Judah and on the Negev in Caleb. We burned Ziklag. David said to him, Can you take us down to this raiding party? He said, Swear to me by God that you will not kill me or hand me over to my master, and I will take you and take you down to this raiding party. So he took David down, and they found them spread out over the land. They were eating and drinking and enjoying themselves because of all the loot they had taken away from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. But David struck them down from twilight until the following evening. None of them escaped, without the, with the exception of 400 young men who got away on camels. David retrieved everything the Amalekites had taken. He also rescued his two wives. There was nothing missing, whether small or great. 
He retrieved sons and daughters, the plunder, and everything else they had taken. David brought everything back. David took all the flocks and herds and drove them in front of the rest of the animals. People were saying, this is David's plunder. Then David approached the 200 men who had been too exhausted to go with them, those they had left at the Wadi Bezor. They went out to meet David and the people who were with him. When David approached the people, he asked how they were doing. But all the evil and worthless men among those who had gone with David said, Since they didn't go with us, we won't give them any of the loot we retrieved. They may only take their wives and children. Let them lead away, uh, let them away and be gone. But David said, No, you shouldn't do this, my brothers. Look at what the Lord has given us. He has protected us and has delivered into our hands the raiding party that came against us. Who will listen to you in this matter? The portion of the one who went down into the battle will be the same as the portion of the one who remained with the equipment. Let their portions be the same. From that time onward, it was a binding ordinance for Israel right up to the present time. When David came to Siklag, he sent some of the plunder to the elders of Judah, who were his friends, saying, Here's a gift for you from the looting of the Lord's enemies. The gift was for those in the following locations, for those in Bethel, Ramoth, Negev, and Jatir, for those in Eror, Sifmoth, Eshtemoah, and Rakal, for those in the cities of the Jeremiahites and Kenites, for those in Horma, Borhashan, Athak, and Hebron, and for those in whatever places David and his men had traveled. Now the Philistines were fighting against Israel. The men of Israel fled from the Philistines, and many of them fell dead on Mount Gilboa. The Philistines stayed right on the heels of Saul and his sons. They struck down Saul's sons, Jonathan, Abinadab, and Machiel Shua. Saul himself was in the thick of the battle. The archers spotted him and wounded him severely. Saul said to his armor-bearer, Draw your sword and stab me through with it. Otherwise these uncircumcised people will come, stab me, and torture me. But his armor-bearer refused to do it. He was very afraid. So Saul took his own sword and fell on it. When his armor-bearer saw that Saul was dead, he also fell on his own sword and died with him. So Saul, his three sons, his armor-bearer, and all his men died together that day. When the men of Israel who were in the valley and across the Jordan saw that the men of Israel had fled and that Saul and his sons were dead, they abandoned the cities and fled. The Philistines came and occupied them. The next day, when the Philistines came to strip loot from the corpses, they discovered Saul and his three sons lying dead on Mount Gilboa. They cut off Saul's head and stripped him of his armor. They sent messengers to announce the news in the temple of their idols and among their peoples throughout the surrounding land of the Philistines. They placed Saul's armor in the temple of the Ashtoreths and hung his corpse on the city wall of Bethshan. When the residents of Jabesh-Gilead heard what the Philistines had done to Saul, all their warriors set out and traveled throughout the night. They took Saul's corpse and the corpses of his sons from the city wall of Bethshan and went to Jabesh, where they burned them. Then they took the bones and buried them under the tamarisk tree in Jabesh. Then they fasted for seven days. It's a rather sad account of the end of Saul's life in contrast to David who faced his fear and weeping by inquiring of God, what do I do? What should I do? How do I move forward? And God answered him. And yet in contrast, Saul facing his fears did not return to God, would not repent, would not ask God for forgiveness and ends his own life in a tragic and awful way. 
And so we see such a contrast in how they faced their adversity and how they faced the loss in their lives. We continue now with 1 Chronicles chapter 10, which is also a recounting of Saul's death uh, from the writer who wrote this uh, centuries later than 1 Samuel. Now the Philistines fought against Israel. The Israelites fled before the Philistines, and many of them fell dead on Mount Gilboa. The Philistines stayed right on the heels of Saul and his sons. They struck down Saul's sons, Jonathan, Abinadab, and Malkishua. The battle was thick around Saul. The archers spotted him and wounded him. Saul told his armor bearer, draw your sword and stab me with it. Otherwise, these uncircumcised people will come and torture me. But his armor bearer refused to do it because he was very afraid. So Saul took the sword and fell on it. When his armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he also fell on his sword and died. So Saul and his three sons died. His whole household died together. When all the Israelites who were in the valley saw that the army had fled and that Saul and his sons were dead, they abandoned their cities and fled. And the Philistines came and occupied them. The next day, when the Philistines came to strip loot from the corpses, they discovered Saul and his sons lying dead in Mount Gilboa. They stripped his corpse and then carried off his head and his armor. They sent messengers throughout the land of the Philistines, proclaiming the news to their idols and their people. They placed his armor in the temple of their gods and hung his head in the temple of Dagon. When all the residents of Jabesh Gilead heard about everything the Philistines had done to Saul, all the warriors went and recovered the bodies of Saul and his sons and brought them to Jabesh. They buried their remains under the oak tree in Jabesh and fasted for seven days. So Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord and did not obey the Lord's instructions. He even tried to conjure up other underworld spirits. He did not seek the Lord's guidance, so the Lord killed him and transferred the kingdom to David, the son of Jesse. And now we come to Psalm 106, which is a psalm that is a historical psalm recounting how the people have sinned against God in the past. And it really describes for us what to do when you come to a place where you realize you're facing loss, that part of the response can be and should be to turn to God and recognize areas in our lives where we need to confess sin and to admit our desperate need for God's grace and mercy, his loyal love. Psalm 106. Praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his loyal love endures. Who can adequately recount the Lord's mighty acts or relate all his praiseworthy deeds? How blessed are those who promote justice and do what is right all the time. Remember me, O Lord, when you show favor to your people. Pay attention to me when you deliver, so that I may see the prosperity of your chosen ones. Rejoice along with your nation and boast along with the people who belong to you. We have sinned like our ancestors. We have done wrong. We have done evil. Our ancestors in Egypt failed to appreciate your miraculous deeds. They failed to remember your mighty, your many acts of loyal love, and they rebelled at the sea by the Red Sea. Yet he delivered them for the sake of his reputation that he might reveal his power. He shouted at the Red Sea, and it dried up. He led them through the deep waters as if it were a desert. He delivered them from the power of the one who hated them and rescued them from the power of the enemy. The water covered their enemies. Not even one of them survived. They believed his promises. They sang praises to him. They quickly forgot what he had done. They did not wait for his instructions. In the wilderness, they had an insatiable craving for meat. They challenged God in the wastelands. He granted them their request, then struck them with a disease. In the camp, they resented Moses and Aaron, the Lord's holy priest. The earth opened up and swallowed Dathan. It engulfed the group led by Abiram. Fire burned their group and flames scorched the wicked. They made an image of a calf at Horeb and worshipped a metal idol. 
They traded their majestic God for the image of an ox that eats grass. They rejected the God who delivered them, the one who performed great deeds in Egypt. Amazing feats in the lands of Ham, mighty acts by the Red Sea. He threatened to destroy them, but Moses, his chosen one, interceded with them, with him and turned back his destructive anger. They rejected the fruitful land. They did not believe his promise. They grumbled in their tents. They did not obey the Lord. So he made a solemn vow that he would make them die in the wilderness, make their descendants die among the nations, and scatter them among the foreign lands. They worshipped Baal of Peor and ate sacrifices offered to the dead. They made the Lord angry by their actions, and a plague broke out among them. Phineas took a stand and intervened, and the plague subsided. This was credited to Phineas as a righteous act for all generations to come. They made him angry by the waters of Meribah, and Moses suffered because of them, for they aroused his temper and spoke rashly. They did not destroy the nations as the Lord had commanded them to do. They mixed in with the nations and learned their ways. They worshipped their idols, which became a snare to them. They sacrificed their sons and daughters to demons. They shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. The land was polluted by their bloodshed. They were defiled by their deeds and unfaithful in their actions. So the Lord was angry with his people and despised the people who belonged to him. He handed them over to the nations, and those who hated them ruled over them. Their enemies oppressed them. They were subject to their authority. Many times he delivered them, but they had a rebellious attitude and degraded themselves by their sin. Yet he took notice of their distress when he heard their cry for help. He remembered his covenant with them and relented because of his great loyal love. He caused all their conquerors to have pity on them. Deliver us, O Lord our God. Gather us from the nations. Then we will give thanks to your holy name and boast about your praiseworthy deeds. The Lord, God of Israel, deserves praise in the future and forevermore. Let the people say, we agree. Praise the Lord. And now we conclude today reading from the book of Acts. And we'll be continuing the story in the book of Acts about the Apostle Paul in his journeys. And today we look at Acts chapter 20. After the disturbance had ended in Ephesus, Paul sent for the disciples and after encouraging them and saying farewell, he left to go to Macedonia. After he had gone through these those regions and spoken many words of encouragement to the believers there, he came to Greece, where he stayed for three months. Because the Jews had made a plot against him as he was intending to sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. Paul was accompanied by Sopater, son of Pyrrhus, from Berea, Aristarchus and Secundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derbe, and Timothy, as well as Tychicus and Trophimus from the province of Asia. These had gone on ahead and were waiting for us in Troas. We sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and within five days we came to others in Troas, where we stayed for seven days. On the first day of the week, when we met to, to break bread, Paul began to speak to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, he extended his message until midnight. Now there were many lamps in the upstairs room where they were meeting. A young man named Eutychus, who was sitting in the window, was sinking into a deep sleep while Paul continued to speak for a long time. Fast asleep, he fell down from the third story and was picked up dead. But Paul went down, threw himself on the young man, put his arms around him and said, Do not be distressed, for he is still alive. Then Paul went back upstairs, and after he'd broken bread and eaten, he talked with them a long time until dawn. Then he left. 
Then they took the boy home alive and were greatly comforted. We went on ahead to the ship and put out to sea for Azos, intending to take Paul aboard there, for he had arranged it this way. He himself was intending to go there by land. When he met us in Azos, we took him aboard and went to Mytilene. We set sail from there, and on the following day we arrived at Chios. The next day we approached Samos, and the day after that we arrived at Miletus. For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so as not to spend time in the province of Asia, for he was hurrying to arrive in Jerusalem, if possible, by the day of Pentecost. From Miletus he sent a message to Ephesus telling the elders of the church to come to him. When they arrived, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived the whole time I was with you, from the first day I set foot in the province of Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with all tears, and with trials that happened to me because of the plots of the Jews. You know that I did not hold back from proclaiming to you anything that would be helpful, and from teaching you publicly and from house to house, testifying to both Jews and Greeks about repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, Compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem without knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit warns me in town after town that imprisonment and persecutions are awaiting me. But I do not consider my life worth anything to myself, so that I may finish my task and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the good news of God's grace. And now I know that none of you among whom I went around proclaiming the kingdom will see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of you all. For I did not hold back from announcing to you the whole purpose of God. Watch out for yourselves and for all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God that he obtained with the blood of his own son. I know that after I have gone, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Even from among your own group, men will arise, teaching perversions of the truth to draw the disciples away after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that night and day for three years I did not stop warning each of you with tears. And now I entrust you to God and to the message of His grace. This message is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have desired no one's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine provided for my needs and the needs of those who are with me. By all these things, I have shown you that by working in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had said these things, he knelt down with them and all and prayed. They all began to weep loudly and hugged Paul and kissed him, especially saddened by what he had said that, they were not going to see him again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. It's just amazing as Paul is talking to these uh, elders from Ephesus, people he had spent three years with teaching and explaining the gospel to them about Jesus, that he makes it very clear that what they truly need is God himself. They need to remember the good news, the grace of Jesus, that the Spirit can teach them and lead them and guide them, and that they need to be on alert against enemies from within and from without who would seek to dissuade them or turn them away from Jesus and the good news. And all of these things Paul is doing as he's facing the reality that God himself through the Spirit is telling him that persecution and suffering awaits him, that he is heading towards greater trouble and difficulty. And yet Paul does so without fear because he knows he's not alone. 
He knows that he is doing what God has called him to do, and he knows that no matter what happens, he is safe and secure in God's faithful, loving hands. Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, http netbible.com, copyright 1996 2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved. Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music. You're always there.